Hey, it's Daisha D. It's Jay Stan. Welcome back to In Retrospect Podcast. We look beyond the surface to find understanding. Bring you laughs, knowledge, and culture. So sit back, relax, and join the combo. Today we have a very special guest. What's up, everybody? It's, uh, my name is Kendall. You call me Mr. Gay. That's what everybody calls me. Pretty much working education. Um as well as I work events like the games and all this stuff. I teach kids, I work with uh, CD kids through fifth grade pretty much every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday, Sunday too. It's a nonstop job. But how you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. We appreciate you coming on. We fully do understand that working with kids is no easy task at all. So definitely, definitely, we appreciate you coming on because we know that can be draining, of course. But like you said, you know, it sounds like a job that has a lot of requirements to be met. But of course, you'll rise to the challenge and, you know, help the kids as well as the community. So once more, we appreciate you coming on. It is not a problem at all. Glad to be here. Um, Now, for those of you listening and watching, uh, we did not all work the same summer, right? We didn't. I know me and Kendall did, and me and yeah. Justin did separately. <laughs> but we all worked at some point. Because <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> I really thought about that now. So we all have worked for um, a nonprofit where we all were teaching during the summertime uh, at a literacy camp called Freedom School which is a nationwide program. A lot of people don't really know what it is, even though it exists across <coughs> across the country. So what led you to education beyond summer freedom school? Um, pretty much once I started, I started working with kids while I was in college. Um, and when I was working with the kids, I, I found that for one, it made, me a happier person and for two it um and also i also saw that i brought joy to the kids and as well as that they would listen to me because the kids i work with they um they they look like me and then so they they know that um pretty much whatever i'm telling them that that is pretty much the right thing to do because there's not there's no such thing as the right thing to do but they they follow me it made me happy um and yeah i pretty much stuck with it that's pretty much what led me teaching it was the happiest thing i ever did while working and it was making an impact i like seeing the smiles on the faces i saw i see plenty of kids that i taught walking around throughout the city they come up to me tell me that um they remember me they looked up to me that's always a good feeling and then they're doing good things going to college graduate college getting the getting the big bucks and all that type of stuff. So pretty much yeah. the joy, the joy is what led me to, led me to great teaching and stay teaching. Yeah, I'll say too, like when we used to work with those kids from said, you know, summer program or whatever program we all, you know, worked together with at one point or another, like seeing these kids now, like this was years ago. So like, you can only imagine how some of these kids look now after years, some of them all of a sudden, put on a little muscle, right? start smelling their, their grown person, to say the least, like they're right. like pushing full-blown adults or are, or they are full-blown adults now. So it, it's it's completely different. Like I saw some some kids from, from years ago and I believe I was in Target. 
I had, I did double take. I was like, what in the world? And they started talking to me like it was a regular day. I'm like, nah, this ain't regular. You're not right. You not look the same. So it's like it's it's very rewarding, like you said, just seeing that progress that they've made in their lives and decisions that they're making that you know that in some form or fashion that you may have influenced and not know you influenced. So right, right. that's always I, rewarding for sure. And I guess similar to y'all, so I work for the school district in Atlanta, but I'm not a teacher. I'm a school social worker. And based on our experiences in the summertime and in the school year of teaching, I knew that teaching was not for me long-term. Not that I wasn't good at it. I just knew that that was draining in a, in a sense, being a teacher, but I still wanted to be with kids and be a mentor in some sort, just not in front of the board. Um, <laughs> nah, that's yeah. totally understandable. Oh, <laughs> um, now according to the like, oh, go ahead. There are regulations, not regulations, I should say, but requirements in the classroom for folks that are out out there listening to what the discussion is that we are having. Like, if you are a teacher and you are in the classroom, there are specific requirements that have to be met within your curriculum in order for you to be actually doing your job. Which is crazy to me personally, because for the simple fact that teachers are being lost because they're not getting paid enough, but you want them to stick with these requirements. So they're putting them in a box with no tools and saying, make it happen. It's kind of crazy in certain areas. So <laughs> according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, 4.8 million educators and staff have left the system since the pandemic. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, have you seen this impact your district at all? Um, in my school, I could say, well, in my district, I could say that I know, I know of a few people that have left the school district due to that, but I don't know a lot. So from my perspective, I don't know a lot. I haven't seen a lot of people, a lot of teachers actually leave. Right. Yeah. Um, so and he's in Charleston. I'm in Fulton yeah. County and I have seen a lot of people leave it. So we have so many vacancies to the point where you have like long-term subs at my school right. or just in my district in general, uh, which is causing the classroom size itself to be larger. And so right. you have kids who just kind of, oh, I don't feel like going to class today, so I'm going to slide into this class. And so it's right. just it's very chaotic, if you yeah, will. No um, last year, when I was a, a social emotional social worker, I had eight schools that I had to bounce around from. And one of my schools had gone through three principals in one school year. So because they were leaving, they were leaving. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Listen, they were leaving, and and teachers are quitting, deans are quitting, principals are quitting. People are retiring because I guess they they're tired, they're burnt out. Um, right. I will say though too though, but like I, I got some friends as well that are you know teachers as well as like administrators in school districts or whatnot. Um, you know, everybody leaves for different reasons, of course, but I will say like the common theme or denominator that is always somehow always pops up is the same thing that most of us deal with in adult life is the salary like a lot of people right. are having you know issues as far as like 
I'm not saying the work isn't rewarding. It's just that people aren't able to live off what they're getting paid, if that makes sense. So a lot of people are making business decisions based off the fact that they can't continue to work for that pay. And it's kind of interesting, too, because a lot of people will say that teachers haven't gotten the pay adjustment that should have taken place a long time ago versus, you know, what it is now. It's the same pay in some areas that has been for 10 plus years, which is insane. And they're trying to up it now to try to get people to stay. But even then, it's like starting to make people wonder, if is it really, you know, a lot of people are asking themselves, is it really worth, you know, trying to stick around, stick it out? But now, like, you know, they should just, you know, mention that these classroom sizes are another thing that's coming into play. Is that something you've seen as far as, like, how many kids are being, you know, assigned to one specific teacher? Yes. I, I, now, classroom size is a thing that I've seen that the um, there's so many kids in the classroom that the teacher can't really, they can't really do that. They can't teach because they have, because it's all the kids in the class. Like, they may be. It may be a handful of kids listening, but it may also maybe a handful of kids that's just talking and all that stuff. But you can't really police all, all of it by themselves. So, yeah, I've definitely seen that. Right. Would you say that oh, are there like assistant teachers in these classrooms anymore? Or has it gotten to the point where it's just one one child in the I mean, not one child, one teacher in the classroom to try to say manage 25 to 30 kids by themselves? Um. <laughs> I'd say most the most of the classrooms have an assistant teacher, but some of them don't. But you're elementary level, yeah, right? I'm elementary level. I'm speaking from elementary level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was back in the day, though, like even in elementary, elementary specifically, you yeah. used to have an assistant teacher because you gotta understand, like a lot of younger kids are still trying to find their personalities, and they're really like right. all over the place. No, I, so, I, right, 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 right. I guess my point was. That I feel you see that more so in elementary level, but you don't really see a lot of assistant teachers in middle schools or high schools. Right. It's just right. that one teacher per twenty plus kids at that or sub plus twenty, uh, you know, twenty kids. I mean, we've had uh, in my district when I say we, we've had to have regular staff go into classrooms as subs like guidance counselors, social workers, things like that, because there are so many vacancies. I was in a meeting today for testing. Yeah. Like why, as a school social worker, do I need to be in the classroom during standardized testing? When have y'all ever seen that or heard that? Uh, so, I, don't think I heard it. <laughs> so that's my point. Um, another reason I think that's happening right now with this generation is that um, the dynamics between teachers, students, and parents, I feel like it looks a lot different than what it did during our childhood and definitely during our parents' childhood. I'm gonna show y'all an example of this. Oh my goodness. 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 Oh my goodness.
All right. I think we got the point of that. <laughs> um, so I don't know what led up to that altercation. Um, right. At the end of it, I do know that the teacher ended up breaking her leg, I want to say. Um, right. And that was in Atlanta. Not in my district, but it was in Atlanta. So... Can you clarify that, please? You said the teacher ended up breaking the child's leg or no, the teacher the broke her leg? leg? The teacher's leg ended up being broken. Um, okay. Now, this is just one example of thousands of videos that we see like this pretty much weekly at this point. Um, who's the problem? Is it the students, the teachers, the parents raising the students? Um, in my opinion, it could, it's a mixture of every of every could be a mixture of everybody but like i said in that situation i don't know what led up to that but i can say it starts at home and then if that if the discipline and not getting taught what they need to be taught at home and all that type of stuff or not when they get called home are the teachers doing the they're calling home they're trying to talk to the parents and they're trying to communicate and it's just not going well then okay then that's the parents fault and then once the child, then if once, I'm trying to say once the, once he realizes parents' fault, the child comes to the school. Okay, then now it's on the teacher to, to try to do, to fill in, to help the student figure out what's going on and teach at the same time. And if the, if the teacher can't handle that, despite what, because all the kids got different personalities, they're not going to be the same every day. So if you can't really, handle a lot of emotions and then you're going to react off emotion and stuff like that then that's when it turns into the teacher's fault because now you're you're kind of egging on the you're egging on the kid instead of um having some de-escalated situation yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much um so that's how it can turn into it being the teacher's situation and as far as the kid i mean a kid, a kid's gonna be a kid, but that can only go with so far once they actually know right from wrong, and then you, you yourself know that they know that they shouldn't be doing that, despite how they feel, despite whatever may be going on. You can't be don't get an attitude, hitting teachers, disrupting the class, and all the other type of stuff. But what also goes into play, in my opinion, is like social media and all this stuff, because of course, as you can see, it was recorded. Mm -hmm. And you know that you know she's gonna get clout and all the other and get fame and all the other type of stuff around school. So she's gonna that's gonna cause kids to kind of do it more and not really think about what they're doing. So I mean that's how that's how I look at it. It kind of goes with it could go with all three options. Mm -hmm. It goes hand to hand. Just yeah, I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with uh, it starts at home for 200. Um, the reason I'm gonna say yeah. that is is this: a lot of these uh, situations that arise usually, most of the time, don't get me wrong, everybody can't teach, and I'll, I'll say that first and foremost. But what I've seen over the years, when it does to when it comes to classroom environments or dealing with kids, when it comes from them leaving school and just you know talking with them. Usually when you see them, you know, acting out, it's because they have things that are going on at home the, in some form or fashion. Something is going on at home. 
And you know, like I said, just moments ago, I made the statement, everybody can't teach because a good teacher will identify that something is wrong off rip nine times out of 10, but everybody can't do that, which goes back to what we discussed earlier as well. Classroom numbers, classrooms may be too big for certain teachers to handle to the point that they can't identify that in time before it becomes bigger than what they can control. But me personally, I believe it starts at home. I believe something in my honest being, I don't know the situation all the way. Something may have happened at home. You know, the child may have been possibly triggered by something the teacher may have said, or a child may have came to school in a bad mood to begin with. I mean, there's a lot of things. A lot of folks say, oh, no, she looks, uh, was this a high school student, I believe, or no, middle school? Uh, high school. Either middle, way. middle slash high school. So this is what I'm going to say. A lot of people will try to make it seem as if when it comes to small kids, oh, small kids act out because they lack sleep or several other things. The same can be said for somebody that's in middle school slash high school. They lack, they're lack, they're not getting any sleep at home, more than likely. Something is occurring at home in order for them to have a short fuse of some sort to do that. And as well as I say it starts at home because if you're not at home learning how to express how you feel, what's wrong, in some form or fashion, in a way that uh, shows that you have some, you know, proper etiquette in a sense. It's like it's a lot for for us to expect from a child to understand if it's something that was never taught. Because nine times out of ten, they're going to be the ones. They're only going to be acting the way that they've seen things acted out in front of them. That's just very true. I um I agree with both of y'all. <laughs> from my standpoint, I tend to get the child when they are all riled up. Like you see this girl in this video. I, I get the privilege <laughs> to get that child passed off to me. Like Ms. Drain handled it. Um, and to be honest, so I so even though I work in a middle school, these kids are huge nowadays. Yeah. Like most of the kids that I work with are taller than me, and I'm not sure. I'm five eight. These kids are five nine, five ten girls and boys to the point where there are adults who are afraid of them because they are just they're huge. Even though right. they're children, they're they're huge in size. And like Justin said, they don't have appropriate ways to regulate their emotions. Why? Because intelligence is lacking. Go ahead, my bad. Go well, ahead. Yeah, but they, they don't have that because they weren't taught that and their parents don't have it. And so it just continues, it's cyclical. Um, mm. But the thing is, is like, it has to start, it has to start with the parents, but then also at the school, that's why it's so important for us to have, um, I don't know what South Carolina calls it, but now they require schools to teach social emotional skills, <coughs> excuse me, for this reason. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of kids will react like that because you tell them to put up their phone. And I'm just being real. Like yeah. I've had well, they'll come in my office and I'm like, so why did you get suspended? Man, cause she she man it y'all be doing the most. What's doing the most? Yeah, you they took my phone. Are you supposed to have your phone out? I mean, no. <laughs> Is that so yeah. you're not supposed to have your phone out? But then also, like Kendall said, when you're the adult, you're not supposed to match that child. You're supposed to be the thermostat. Okay, you set the temperature of that classroom. You set the temperature of that environment. If that child is coming to you on 10, you don't think, little girl, you don't do all of that. Just say, you know what? Go ahead and uh, go see Miss Drayton. Go see 
this person or that person, and that's it. Go ahead. Leave that's what I'm saying when I say everybody can't teach because we've entered the realm where folks will say, I argue with kids. I don't care what age they are. I'm arguing some kids. Yeah, that's crazy. Soon as they say something off the wall, you gonna get this, you gonna get this work. <laughs> you gonna get this work. <laughs> nah, man, you can't be like, doing that, man. But you can't. Hey, I'm just. I you. I, we know that. But you know what's the what's what's the old phrase the folks used to say all the time? Old folks say it all the time. Common sense ain't common. Okay, I'm gonna that's just say true. that. That is very true. And, I, very true. and also, I want people to understand, like, you know, teachers are humans. Like, we're saying here that, oh, you got to come in every day and you got to come in with this high standard and make sure you are always on your P's and Q's and have patience overflowing, uh, uh, you know, abundant patience. This is not the reality of it. I feel as me personally that a lot of these teachers are getting caught when they just don't have abundant patience no more. They're at their wits end. <laughs> And to be honest with y'all, like, there is a term called compassion fatigue. You get to a point where (laughs) these kids have a lot going on at home. And maybe in August when school first started, you were that person checking in with little Johnny, seeing how things are going on at home. And is everything okay? Do you have food? Do you have clothes? Uh, Let's do some tutoring. And little Johnny continues, his behaviors continue to worsen. You try to call little Johnny's mama, Tasha, she got an issue. (laughs) She want to argue back and forth with you. You bring her in for meetings, countless meetings, and nothing has changed with little Johnny. By the time we in April, it's time for testing. And little Johnny is still not getting it together. And at this point, now you got 10 little Johnnies in your class. Right. And you're tired. Um, Trust me. I have dealt with parents. Let me listen. I have worked with kids for many, many years. And the hardest part about working with kids are those parents. That yeah. I've, and I've worked in South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia. And when I tell you, the parents are the hardest parts about working with kids. Why? Because for some odd reason, they seem to think that they're, well, some of them. They don't think they're That's what they think. They think school is a daycare. They believe right. school is a daycare. Let me yeah. drop my child off. If you can't get my child in order, it's your fault. Don't let nobody but yourself. And they you made them do it. It's not me. It's you. They don't hold their kids accountable either. Um, I remember having a meeting with a parent. Um, her child had missed, I think, like forty days of school. So at this point, she's considered truant, right? And technically, mm-hmm. I could file her for truancy court. I tell parents this <laughs> in August, but for some reason, everybody is always shocked when they get that handy dandy letter from me in the mail saying, Hey, I'm about to file you for court. Then they want to come act a fool at the school. Yeah, they always wait to the last second. Listen, and when we have these conversations about well, why, what's, what are the barriers, they, they're always pointing the finger at staff. And I promise you, parents out there, this is no shade. I promise you, there is no adult that works with your child that wakes up every morning with your child on their mind. Nah, for real. And pick <laughs> on them, okay? Like, it makes our job easier when your child is fed, they have slept, they are clothed, and they are ready to learn and have a good day. When they come to school and something's not right, that's what makes it more difficult. Go ahead. What you yeah. say? You said bringing kids to school healed. 
They mad. <laughs> that's, that's not that's not yeah, what happened, man. That's not what happened. That's what you want to do. It just I just they don't have to come oh. to you. They're kids. That my door is always open. Kids pop in and out of my office all the time, and that's fine. But the thing right. is, I need to be able to build rapport with your child, and in order for me to do that, I have to be able to build rapport with you. Right. If you coming at me with some craziness, we probably oh. like it probably won't work. I'll do my job, you know, I'll help you, but yeah. that's where that goes. So I yeah, I agree with y'all. I think it's a little bit of everybody. I think every uh, everybody's burnt out, the adults, the kids. Um what kind of change do you feel like or do y'all feel like would uh the districts would benefit from? And it could be changed, meaning adding something or taking something away. Hmm. Well, from my perspective, in the schools down here in Charleston, well, for one, they it would <clears throat> the district would benefit from having like another teacher in the classroom, but that would also come down to people actually applying and wanting to work wanting to be a teacher and stuff like that but also having in my opinion more male teachers in the school system as well because it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of women teachers i was raised by mostly women teachers that that's why i had a majority of my life and some kids some kids don't really respond well to 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 a woman, so they'll need like a male a male figure to for them for for it to get through to them and to for to learn from them. So that may be one thing that could change in the change in this school system, particularly. Um, what? Why do you think having men more men visible in the building would make a difference? What? Um, <clears throat> because. Pretty much like you said, these kids are big. These kids are they're um <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're they're big. Like and yeah. having 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 more males in there, they'll 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 know that they can't really run over the teachers like that or run over school because some somebody will be coming in response to that. Not yeah. not saying that that it'll always result into violence or anything like that but they'll know that they can't just come to school and act crazy because it's it's a male figure there that could that will that will oppose them there's someone bigger than them that will oppose them mm-hmm. so that that's right. that's one reason why huh? yeah, you're also hitting on a point here because the reason why you know male figures in schools are more are important because nine times out of ten i wouldn't say nine times out of ten that's pretty high that's like 90 percent. that's like almost an a so i'm not even gonna say nine times out of ten but most of the time when you talk to a lot of kids when they do come from a single parent household yeah. the single parent household will be just the mother most most of the time so when they're coming from that single parent household a father figure essentially is really you know non-existent in that household so sometimes that father figure for the first time or sense of authority that they'll see for the first time in a school may be that male figure and i and i and i've seen a lot of cases when i like me growing up as well as me knowing people like some people may have said like say an administrator at the school may have been that father figure for a a child because that child may not have 
you know, a male figure in their life. I've seen right. as far as like custodians that have worked in schools be father figures to kids as throughout their lives as they, you know, have grown up and they'll always go back to, you know, talk to that custodian because that person is a staple in their life. Like it's stuff, really small stuff that, you know, a lot of these male figures in these schools, like the impact that can be made because like I stated earlier, when we, everybody assumes that everybody's coming from a two parent household, but that's not always the case for everybody. But when they are coming from that single parent household, most of the time, I would say it's they're coming from that single parent household with just their mother instead of just their father. So, yeah, continue my bad. Oh, no, you're good. I was just curious. Are you good? um, We had Dr. Umar on a few months ago, and he was talking about that, like just having more visibility. But specifically with black kids, he was saying having them sent to schools that have mostly black educators and people in the building uh, which my school I mean most of my admin are black I, my principal is a black man our APs are black women so it, it yeah um, honestly I feel like and this is not just for Atlanta this is nationwide I think that our school systems would benefit from Funding, but not just direct funding and education that's needed as well, because in order to have those extra hands on deck, they got to be able to get paid. And right now, a lot of systems don't have the money to pay those extra people because they don't got enough money to pay the people that they already got. (laughs) So that's That's the first thing. But um, affordable housing. I mean, we have in my district, we have over 1500 students that are experiencing homelessness right now. I have at least 30 families that I'm working with right now without a home, right? So, and this is happening because of evictions, fires, um, health issues. Parents can no longer work the same, so they, you know, lose their housing. And then they're looking at the school like, okay, y'all need to help us. And then I have to tell them like, I'm so sorry, we've exhausted all funds because again, we have over 1,500 families who are homeless right now. we have a good bit of food pantries, but I feel like that housing component is where it is rough. And I don't know if it's the same in Charleston, but I just feel like since the pandemic, if people have really been struggling um, with that. And if a child is not housed and they're not getting food, the last thing that they are focused on is coming to school, let alone doing well in school. So um, that's what I would say. Funding for more staff, affordable housing, and then obviously food as well. And also, um, this goes into funding again, but after school programming, Charleston has so much that when I moved out of South Carolina, I did not realize that that was just a Charleston thing. (laughs) That we had so many after school programming options because in Tennessee, nothing. In Atlanta, nothing. I mean, it it's so hard to find some place for a child to go after school if they're not participating in sports. It's ridiculous. And so it leaves them to go do whatever it is that they do. And nine times out of ten, it's something that they shouldn't be doing. I just think they should. Just, uh, what's the best way to say this? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in most places, when I was growing up, free there was free lunch. But there isn't free lunch in a sense anymore. 
uh, I believe you got to still pay X amount of dollars or if you become from a certain household of a certain income, I feel like they need to, uh, there shouldn't be that. There should just be lunch in general. Kids shouldn't have to pay for lunch. That should be built in because there's a lot of money that's going into the funding of schools and buildings that could be reallocated for kids just to eat, just in general. The fact that kids have to pay for lunch at school is kind of a little taboo to me because we talk about this all the time. Like kids are coming from homes or situations that nobody has no idea of and they're not being able to eat because they don't have lunch money. Or say, for instance, they're coming from a household that says they have enough money, but the money isn't being managed well at home. So they can't eat. Right. But nobody wants to talk about these certain issues that these are very like small but big issues at the same time. Now you're trying to figure out why this child is acting out in school. Small stuff. So it's like really the it's like things that people really need to reevaluate and it would make everything so much better. It's really the small things that turn into big things. And, but everybody always acts confused when it's like, why why are they doing this? What's wrong? They're starving. They're hungry. Um <laughs> I also wanted to add, like, along with, like, adding more people on deck uh, in the school itself, like, they, I don't, I don't know what, what what it looks like in Charleston, but um, we need more things in place so that when kids get in trouble, like, so in Atlanta, when a child gets in trouble at school, nine times, if they're middle and high school, nine times out of 10, they get sent to an alternative school. That could be for a week. That could be for a month. That could be for an entire school year. And one trend that I've noticed is that I work in the South. So like College Park, East Point, Georgia, right? It's mostly Black and Latino kids. And most of the time that they get in trouble, no one ever says, oh, it's mental health related. Instead, they're like, no, he or she is being bad. Send them off to alternative school or expel them, right? Versus up north, Alpharetta, Sandy Springs, places like that, where it's mostly white. Uh, first of all, their parents are advocating for them because they feel empowered to do that. And those kids end up getting therapy. They get to stay at the school, talk to the counselor, <laughs> things like that. And so it just looks a lot different. Um, so I, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is I would hope that all parents feel empowered enough to advocate for their kid when something happens and that schools, once again, have other options for kids when something takes place in the school um, so that they don't have to keep getting sent out of the school. I mean, we talked about that with Freedom School, the prison, the school to prison pipeline. That's a real thing. If kids are so used to, I mess up this one time, I get sent off, you're programmed to think that way. Like you don't, you don't get to redeem yourself. So, do I have anything else? No, man. Just stop blaming the kids for everything that takes place. But at the same time, you got to understand everybody's not, everybody's not a, a good teacher. So, <laughs> I mean, every the system is flawed in itself. Yeah, it can, it can, everything needs improvement. So. Also, don't believe everything you see on the internet. Let's not jump to conclusions, folks. Let's make sure we get all the facts. Please and thank you. It's always one angle. <laughs> and when it is, and I know that we're talking about like some of the harder conversations mm. that people like to have, but it is rewarding to work in the school system if you truly want to be there. Like, 
I call my school East Side Middle all the time. If y'all don't know that reference, it's like the school on Lean on Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, definitely. Listen, because my school, I can't listen. I can write a book of the things that happen at my school daily, but I still love my school and the kids that are there and the staff that are there. And I want to see us improve. I'm not going to jump ship, right? I'm in it. And I want to see us do well. And I feel like for those of you who want to pursue education in some form or fashion, please do not let videos like that scare you away. Scare you. Statistics <laughs> scare you away. Because if you have a true passion for kids and community, we need people like you who want to be there um, to create, you know, some sort of change. Um, let us know in the comments, guys. Like, who do you think, what do you think, the districts could benefit from and who's the problem is it the student is it the the staff or is it the uh parents yeah. right <laughs> and thank you Kendall, for joining us for this conversation it's not a problem at all thank y'all for having me i have been daisha d and i've been jay Sam. join us every other friday at noon and always remember to like, like comment and subscribe Oh, yeah. Before we go, check out our first mukbang. It's on the YouTube page. That's, that's the only place you can find it. And I also have another series coming out. We'll see if it gets released this week. But check out the mukbang. All right. <laughs>